You're listening to an EN4 News podcast. Discussions, debates, news briefs, explainers, and in-depth reporting. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Nicola Sturgeon finally had her face-to-face moment with the committee investigating her government's handling of complaints made against Alex Salmon. It's a complicated story and often joked about that nobody outside of Holyrood really knows exactly what's going on. And we don't blame you. In this episode, we're going to try help you understand what happened today. But also I want to preference something. This story is far from over. At the time of recording this podcast, the committee meeting isn't even finished yet. And the First Minister is still to answer a few questions. So don't go looking for a finale. Not yet. This is The Weekly. To help us explain this, I'm joined by Chloe Wright, a reporter who has been reporting on the First Minister and the Inquiry for several weeks now. Chloe, thank you for coming on the show. No bother, thank you for having me. Like I said, you've been reporting on this topic for several weeks now. What were your thoughts coming into this inquiry? I think leading up to, I mean, it's been postponed a few times now as well. So, you know, we've been waiting for it for a while. Why has it been delayed? I think... Well, they spoke a little bit today about how, you know, the committee was still waiting for more evidence and everything. So I don't know if they were waiting for more documentation and things like that from the Scottish government before they started um, the process. But Nicola Sturgeon has been adamant that she was sick of waiting for it. She couldn't wait. I remember at first question she was saying she couldn't wait, but she wasn't answering any questions until today. Um, so we've been waiting for a while. Um, I I don't know, I think going into it, I kind of thought I would come out thinking, you know, I would still be totally didn't know what was going on, like a bit all over the place with my own like personal views on the issue. And I think that's probably right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but it was definitely interesting to watch and interesting to hear what she had to say and interest in the questions she was being asked. So. I want to ask you what were the more serious questions she was asked today, but also can you tell us a bit more about what this inquiry and the committee is about? Um, I would say the committee is there to, well, it's all different parties as well, so it's almost like, it's basically like a trial that she's in. No, it's like a court where she has to, you know, raise her hand and say that she's going to tell the truth and everything like that. So it's almost like a court hearing with a jury, but for politicians. Um, and yeah, some of the questions she was asked, there was tons of questions, obviously. Um, there was like three separate sections they were covering today. So they started off covering the policy that was in place Um because there was questions raised about how the policy against sexual harassment had just been changed prior to these allegations coming out. So there was a lot of sort of sceptical, you know, scepticism going on there, um, just because it seemed a bit of a coincidence. So that was spoken about first. Um, well, there was questions raised about the how it came about and the convenience of it all, because the policy really got signed off and put through in, I think it was 
December 2017 and January um, the complaints came forward against Alex Salmon. There had been speculation before about that, but January, February time was when they actually came forward. And so, yeah, people were questioning about that, but I think Nicola Sturgeon was very, very clear in saying that she was very adamant that this policy was put in place because of the Me Too movement. That was why things had to be adjusted and looked at. And she said today, um, something along the lines of Alex Hammond seems to think that this was policy was made to get him. I think as well, a big thing I should mention, you know, at the start is all day today, I mean, I've been watching her since nine o'clock this morning, all day today, she has reminded us constantly that Alex Hammond was her friend, like one of the closest people to her. So you know, she she said, you know, one of the closest people to me, um, you know, her head was all over the place when this happened. She'd known him since she was in her 20s. They'd shared a lot together. So it was almost like, why why would she do this to someone that she really, like, got along with well with and was a friend? So it was an interesting contrast to hear her as well, talking about her own personal situation with Alex Salmon at the time. So... But yeah, so there was quite a bit about the sexual harassment policy and just, you know, logistics about why that went through at that time. But she seemed to come through it okay. Like, you know, everything she said sounded legitimate. So I feel I must rebut the absurd suggestion that anyone acted with malice or as part of a plot against Alex Salmond. That claim is not based in any fact. What happened is this, and it is simple. A number of women made serious complaints about Alex Salmon's behaviour. The government, despite the mistake it undoubtedly made, tried to do the right thing. As First Minister, I refused to follow the age-old pattern of allowing a powerful man to use his status and connections to get what he wants. The police conducted an independent criminal investigation the Crown Office, as it does in prosecutions every single day of the week, considered the evidence and decided there was a case to answer. A court and a jury did their jobs. And now this committee and an independent investigation are considering what happened and why. For my part, I am, if not relishing the prospect, relieved to be finally facing this committee. But given all that has brought us to this moment, being here also makes me really sad and in all the legitimate consideration of this, sometimes the personal and human elements of this situation are lost. Alex spoke on Friday about what a nightmare the last couple of years have been for him and I don't doubt that. I have thought often about the impact on him. He was someone I cared about for a long time. And maybe that's why on Friday I found myself searching for any sign any sign at all that he recognised how difficult this has been for others too. First and foremost, for women who believed his behaviour towards them was inappropriate. But also for those of us who have campaigned with him, worked with him, cared for him and considered him a friend and who now stand unfairly accused of plotting against him. That he was acquitted by a jury of criminal conduct is beyond question, beyond question. But I know just from what he told me, that his behaviour 
was not always appropriate. And yet, across six hours of testimony, there was not a single word of regret, reflection, or even simple acknowledgement of that. I can only hope that, in private, the reality might be different. The spotlight shone on historic workplace harassment in late 2017 was long overdue. It was absolutely right at that time for my government to review its processes, consider any weaknesses and gaps in them, and put in place a procedure that would allow complaints, including those of a historic nature, to be investigated. When complaints were made about Alex Salmond, it was also absolutely right that the government took them seriously and subjected them to investigation. An individual's profile, status or connections should not result in complaints of this nature being ignored or swept under the carpet. That, in this case, it was a former First Minister does not change that. The procedure that was adopted in late 2017 in the wake of the Me Too concerns was drafted by civil servants, largely independently of me. However, I was kept abreast of its development and I did sign it off. As a result of a mistake that was made, a very serious mistake in the investigation of the complaints against Alex Salmond, two women were failed and taxpayers' money was lost. I deeply regret that. Although I was not aware of the error at the time, I am the head of the Scottish Government and so I want to take this opportunity to say sorry to the two women involved and to the wider public. Well, I think that there was a, there was a few points during the day where questions arose that she would come forward and say that she was, you know, sorry for these women. Um, one of this was being the... Um, so the disclosing of the name of one of the complainers, that was a big thing um, because, you know, there's been, you know, one person, Alex Hammond's saying one thing, she's saying another thing. We still don't know what's true, but from what's been said, there is a possibility that a government official has disclosed the name of one of these um, complainers, which is illegal. And um, I think it was the deputy convener. Um, she had said this, if this was true, if someone had disclosed the name of, um, you know, a possible victim of sexual harassment, it would have been the government's biggest failure all like for this whole inquiry. And Nicola Sturgeon owned it up to that. And I think every time she was asked about you know, if she felt like she'd failed these women, she did. And she she did take a lot of responsibility herself personally and on behalf of the government for the mistakes that they made. Um, there was also um, a little bit about the, the handling, like the government handling of the investigation. Um, there was uh, advice came forward from Police Scotland that was read today. Um, where the police had written that there was really no need for any government officials to be involved in the investigation. They weren't trained correctly. You know, they didn't. It was a police matter by this point. And, you know, if the women complaining had anything, they were to go to the police or they were to be guided by the government to 
specific support, people who could support them, and it was to go through the police. That didn't happen. The government continued to be involved. So she also apologised for that as well. But I think she has been apologetic where she needs to be. But then as well, it doesn't fill you with confidence if you're pertinent or having to say sorry all the time for things, you know. So I don't know. It's... But at the same time, she was adamant that there was no plot yes. by the government to yes. target Alex Salmon. Yeah, she was very adamant about that. And she was also adamant as well that her person, like today she was sitting there speaking her own personal knowledge and what she knows and how she was involved. There was a few points where she had to say, I don't know, I wasn't involved in that. She was, she said today anyway, that she wasn't involved directly in the investigation with the two complainants. So it must be difficult as well, you know, having to sit there and say, I don't know, I wasn't involved. She said she she never had met the two women that came forward um, or anything. So, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting one. What about the second part of the hearing? The second part was less focused on the policy per se and focused on the government's hand, handling of the complaints that were made. So these two sections could sort of cross over a little bit, but this was more specifically about how the government, you know, the government taking responsibility for how they handled the complaints. Yeah, so um, the the first thing Nicola Sturgeon said when they got onto this section was that she totally accepts the fact, accepted the fact that things went wrong when they were handling the complaints in the government. Um, and she was happy as well. She she sat there and asked the committee for suggestions, if they had suggestions for, you know, handling things like this in the future so she could um, obviously make things better the next time. But w- there was a wee bit of a hiccup here for Nicola Sturgeon. I do have to say, um, Jackie Bailey, the Scottish Labour leader, um, she asked the First Minister about... A meeting with Alex Salmon, it wasn't, Nicola Sturgeon wasn't actually present at the meeting, but she knew that it had happened. So for legal reasons, she couldn't go into, you know, what what she'd heard and things like that, but she knew that this meeting had happened. And then Jackie Bailey comes forward and says that, oh, well, me and Willie Rennie both asked you last week in First Minister's questions, or the week before me, um, if you knew about that meeting and you said no, and then it was like, did you inform someone that you'd heard about that meeting? And Nicola Sturgeon said, yes, she had informed um, her senior officer, uh, senior official, sorry, about the meeting prior to First Minister's question, she then admitted. So there was a little bit of a hiccup there for Nicola. <laughs> it was very quickly went to, oh, I don't know, I'll need to check. Uh, oh, I could be wrong here. So. That was a bit, you could notice her actually going a bit, you know, head in her hands a wee bit there. Um, and there was also talks about leaks to the Daily Record, um, about a couple of articles that I think, if I remember correctly, it was the articles contained information about the complainants. So 
she was then questioned quite a lot about where did this leak come from. Nicola Sturgeon was very adamant that it wasn't her and it wasn't anyone in her office. She was also uh, accused of her party purposely leaking the story in order to spike another story. Although, again, she refuted that. Yeah, she said that she she said that she didn't know that there was another story to be spiked, um, but she knows for a fact it wasn't her that leaked the information. Um, and I think in this section, again, she, she just speaks a lot about the sort of the personal side of things. Because um, there was a bit as well where um, someone in the committee compared Alex Salmon's written evidence and Nicholas Sturgeon's. And they had had a conversation one day and Nicholas Sturgeon had written in her evidence that she had told Alex Salmon that she could not intervene in this matter. She could not intervene in this case. But Alex Salmon's written evidence said that, yeah, he'd spoken to Nicola Sturgeon and it said, he had said that Sturgeon had said, oh, I'll, um, I won't intervene until the time's right or if it comes to it, I'll intervene, something along those lines. So then she was questioned, obviously, about that. You know, the evidence not matching up. And again, she went into, you know, this was her friend. It was like, yeah. I don't know, it was a bit soap opera-ish for a little bit. You know, it was like talking about, you know, I need to do the right thing, but he's my friend and kind of letting him down easy. She said she has had absolutely no intentions of intervening and that she didn't, but she was trying to almost make him feel like, it, you know, I've got your back, but I don't really. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's... Definitely an interesting one. Yeah, she was consistently reminding the committee of the emotional toll that the whole process took mm -hmm. on herself and her team. She was also accused of not having any collaborators to her stories, uh, whereas Alex Salmon uh, had um, witnesses to back up his side of the story. Do you think that's going to be playing a big part in the weeks to come? Do what Duncan Hamilton said in his, in his uh, submission. I can also confirm that I was told the name of a complainant by Mr Aberdeen in the early part of March 2018. I cannot recall the precise date, but it was very shortly after the 7th of March, the date Mr Salmon received this letter. The name of the complainant had been given to Mr Aberdeen by a senior government official. I confirm I am aware of the identity of the government official who gave the name of the complainant to Mr Aberdeen. The fact that the, the government official had shared that information with Mr Aberdeen was reported to me and to Kevin Pringle on a conference call. I had never heard of the individual named that Mr Pringle had. And in his written submission, Mr Kevin Pringle uh, basically corroborates that. So here we have a statement by Jeff Aberdeen, corroborated by Duncan Hamilton and corroborated by Kevin Pringle. You're a lawyer, you're well aware in the rules of evidence of the importance of corroboration. You've suggested that the senior official we're talking about has a different version of events. Who would corroborate that alternative version of events? Um, you, so you would have to, and you know, it's not for me to tell the committee how to do its work, but it's, you, you started your question to me there um, with the statement, I think, that we have heard from Jeff Aberdeen. I, I'm not aware that the committee has 
heard from Jeff Aberdeen. If I'm wrong about that, I apologise. Um, and has certainly not, uh, as I understand it, certainly not orally uh, heard from the other person. It is open to the committee to test that privately with either or both of them. Um, James Hamilton, I understand, has accounts for uh, from both of them and will be able to, to make uh, his assessment of that uh, my understanding, and I was not a party to this discussion, is that that did not happen. Now, as far as I'm aware on that specific, that um, particular topic, I don't remember her having anyone. I remember there was two other government officials, I think it was two anyway, that um, were, their evidence was, you know, corroborated with uh, Alex Salmon's. Um, but as far as I'm aware, hers did not. And this evidence as well was interesting because what it was, it was regarding talking, um, sorry, disclosing the name of one of the complainers. And she she did say she wasn't at, she wasn't in that conversation. She wasn't a part of it. But it was Alex Salmon and the two other officials. Um well, as far as I'm aware. Um, so Nicola Sturgeon wasn't involved in it and she was just saying what she had heard about the conversation. Whereas the people that were actually involved in the conversation, Alex Salmon and these other guys, they have the same story. So it's like, where has something slipped up? I don't know if she's heard a different story from someone else or from Alex Salmon. You really don't know. It's just, there's so many people involved in this story now as well that it just feels almost impossible to find out the truth, you know, the whole truth. I'm aware Alex Salmon made a statement uh, at lunchtime today. Am I right? Yes. Well, this was just about lunchtime while um, Nicola Sturgeon was giving her evidence um, it popped up in the news um, that while she was speaking, um, Alex Salmon had lodged an official complaint to the Scottish government around alleged conduct of a senior official who was accused of disclosing the name of the complainer. So already, you know, touched we touched on that a wee bit earlier. So... Yes, Nicola Sturgeon said, though, as well earlier that day that uh, before the statement came out, that she was, she knew or was, you know, very, very sure that Alex Salmon already knew the names of, you know, both of the complainants because one of them he went and apologised to and the other woman, he'd done his own personal research and that was how he found out her identity. So... That's what she was aware of. Um, so, yeah, it threw a wee bit of a spanner in the works. Like, what what does this all mean now? What's going to come from this? You know, it's, it's going to be another person involved in all that's going to have to come out. So, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting day. And people are just going crazy on Twitter. Absolutely crazy. Um, this could be a really massive turning point for Nicola Sturgeon because there's a lot, a lot of people out there that think she'll be forced to resign or should anyway. Um, but then again, there's a lot of SNP supporters that think everything she's saying is legitimate and that she's done nothing wrong. So it's really, 
interesting to be doing this now just before the election in May and yeah I just I honestly have no idea how this will all turn out <laughs> I feel like I say that every week on this podcast but <laughs> you just never know so yeah well I guess I guess uh that's uh, a topic for another episode and like we mentioned at the beginning this story is far from over um thank you chloe uh, for coming on this episode no problem thank you for having me thank you for listening to this episode of the week be sure to go to en4 news for more and follow us on twitter instagram and all your social medias this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts I'm Brendan Duggan. Thank you for listening.